This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, it is the second leading cause of vision loss and blindness in people over 40. And glaucoma is a chronic progressive eye disease. And I'm here with our trusted contributor, Dr. Ritesh Patel, to talk about it. He is, of course, an optometrist, the chair of the Communications Committee, and a member of the Board of Directors of the Ontario Association of Optometrists. Before we get to him, I'm going to give you the numbers again in case you have questions. The numbers 416 360 or toll free 1 866 740 740. Dr. Tell welcome. Thanks for joining us. Oh, always a pleasure. Okay, so uh, tell us a little bit about glaucoma and what is the really scary part about it. Oh man, so many things. So you know, glaucoma, as you mentioned, one of the leading causes of blindness. You know, not only in Canada but in uh, North America, for that matter. Uh, and the scary thing about it, it for the for those of those listeners that don't know about it, it actually affects your peripheral vision. Okay, And so what happens is your peripheral vision, when you're looking straight ahead, is you know if you see cars beside you go in, that sort of thing. And what happens is if that vision starts caving in over time, uh, then the, the challenge would be is not even realizing that you even have it. So about 50 to even up to some estimates, up to 65% of people who have glaucoma have no clue they have it. They have, oh, that's really scary. And that's the thing. And, and that's that's really where we try to reiterate the message of making sure you get your eyes examined because the only way to truly know whether you have glaucoma or not is through some of the testing that we do. Uh, you know, for some of us that know that the air puff test is the pressure test in your eye, and I'll go into details about that in a second. And other tests, for example, testing out the peripheral vision and putting the drops in your eyes and doing the dilation, all those things are going to be putting all these different pieces of the puzzle together to just ensure that, uh, one, that you don't have glaucoma, or, you know, if you do, make sure that we get the right type of treatment to ensure that it doesn't progress without you knowing it either. Now, does it come on quickly or does it come on slowly over time? Yeah, super good question. So there's different types of glaucoma, right? So there are, there are uh, types of glaucoma that can happen instantly. Uh, and unfortunately, what, you know, the definition of glaucoma essentially is when the visual field is, is being lost. And so w- with the ones that come on suddenly, there might be, for example, a trauma, even just something, you know, hitting your eye or your face, car accident, that sort of thing. Uh, and those ones tend to be a bit challenging because they're so instant and obviously in most cases unplanned for. Uh, that being said, there are certain types of glaucoma that are instant in the same way, but could have been prevented. Uh, so if you see your optometrist, what they'll do is they'll, uh, they'll do this microscopic exam on the surface of your eye. And what they're looking for to make sure is, is there enough space for fluid to flow between uh, different parts of the eye? And essentially, glaucoma is when the f- there's not enough of that space or the fluid is draining out too slowly from your eye. And in turn, the pressure within your eye is elevated too significantly. So that's the fast 
types. And there's other types where the glaucoma is more slowly changing over time. And that's really where the challenge becomes. So if your vision is slowly changing, right. you're not really realizing it. Uh, and the challenge would be is if it's occurring in one eye versus the other, which they don't always have to happen at the same time, uh, you may not even realize it because if your peripheral vision is changing in one eye, guess what? The other eye is filling in that gap. And right. for those of us that don't do this too regularly, if you ever cover up one eye you know, and then cover up the other... I'm doing it now. There you go. You may not realize that there is a difference in vision or there's a yeah. difference in, uh, in, in the way you're perceiving vision to be. But most people, of course, with both eyes open, you're going about your day and you forget about it, right? So there's different types of glaucoma and that's the key is just being able to understand what the background is, what's the family history, uh, and what are things in terms of the measurements we're doing over time just to ensure you don't get it uh, or that it's manageable. And how often should you be checked for glaucoma? Oh, every visit, every year. Right? So every time you go into your optometrist uh, or your eye care professional, what they're going to do is they're going to take certain measurements, uh, even just getting a good family history. I mean, genetics is, you know, we're learning more and more about it even nowadays. Uh, and even if it's not your parents that have glaucoma, there might be a couple of generations removed that have it. And those genetics or those genes for that matter are, of course, being passed down. Uh, vision, visual field tests where they're testing the periphery, the scanning tests, as we've talked about previously on these shows, those, all those imaging tests are there to tell us whether there's uh, glaucoma in the future or not. Uh, and also the pressure test, uh, as well as the dilation. So all those tests are going to be done on your on an annual basis by your optometrist. And even though you may not have glaucoma now, uh, the key thing is making sure you keep an eye on it so that you're not getting it without realizing it, right? Okay, let's uh, let's take a couple of calls. Earl in Oakville, hello. Hi, Libby and the doctor. I'd like to ask you a question. Um, is there any correlation between diabetes and glaucoma? What are the risk factors involved? So really, really good question, common question, because they're not, uh, you know, it's not unusual to have both. So the irony here, not that I would go out and tell you to do this, but uh, but diabetes, there's certain studies that show that diabetes has a protective nature on the optic nerve, uh, which is what glaucoma is affecting, uh, versus those non-diabetics now. That being said, is you know, of course, you're not going to go out and become diabetic to protect your, your nerve. No, I am diabetic already. Yeah, so if anything, you know, still keep it under control, but it's actually, there's certain studies that show that there's a protective nature of diabetes on the optic nerve, which is where glaucoma yeah. is affected. My optometrist gives me a glaucoma test every year to make sure that I don't have it. Or Yeah, perfect. You're in good hands. And that's the thing, right? Like, you know, we want to make sure you don't get it. Uh, or if you get it, you're really, somebody like your optometrist is on the ball about it because they can treat that very, very quickly. Okay, thank you. Take Good care. question. Okay, Bye. thanks a lot. Marie in Richmond Hill, hello. Hello, thank you for taking my call. You're very welcome. Uh, I had some um, glaucoma done a couple of years ago. A sur- surgery? Yes. And my eyes are okay so far, but for distance, uh, I had to get special glasses. And I wonder if that's normal or what the cause is of that. So, uh, you, uh, did you get cataract surgery or had glaucoma surgery? I had uh, laser laser surgery. Okay, so there's there's a few different types of laser surgeries. There are laser surgeries that they treat to, of course, correct your vision. Uh, there's other laser surgeries that are actually meant to help prevent glaucoma from from occurring. So. Um, you know, if it's a type of, of procedure that you had that was meant to prevent the pressure in your eye from elevating, which is a glaucoma topic that we're talking about, then it's, in some cases your your vision can change. But to be honest with you, it's really a rarity. Like usually when they do that type of laser, again, assuming it's the one for glaucoma, uh, what 
they're doing is they're creating a little pathway in the colored part of your eye called the iris. And what that's doing is allowing uh, fluid that we talked about earlier to flow from the front of the eye to the back of the eye. Um, and generally speaking, since that affects your iris, the iris has little to do with actually your vision itself. Now, of course, your vision could be changing for a number of different reasons, but I don't think it was done due, through the, uh, due to the laser. I see. Okay, then. Thank you very much, then. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now, people who have glaucoma may feel as though uh, they have a limited number of options. What can you do if you've got it? Yeah, good question. So, you know, the challenge with glaucoma is the fact that it's irreversible, right? So once this damage is occurring or it's occurred, you know, you're not getting that visual field back. Uh, And that's the main thing that uh, we try and stress across the people. So that being said, there's actually a number of options that we would uh, would put in place that let's assume, you know, you came into my office, I had a patient this morning, the pressures were being a bit elevated and hence a little bit outside the range we would want them to be. It could be as simple as putting them on a drop that they take once a day and that's it. Right, so they just take this drop that maintains the pressure to be lower to a safe degree, uh, and as long as that pressure stays a certain way and, and the nerve in the back of the eye is not changing, we're in a happy place. If for some reason, let's assume we put them on that drop and yet the pressure is still elevated, you can put them on another combination drop. There's drops that you can use multiple times a day, so there's there's quite a few options. In fact. If for some reason we get to a point where those are not doing the job, then this last patient uh, or last caller that we had uh, mentioned something where we actually actually can do laser in the eye. And what that's meant to do is increase the amount of fluid that's draining out. And if it gets even more significant than that, that actually can put um, a tube within your eye as well. So there's quite a few options actually in terms of that. The key thing would be is actually getting diagnosed with it. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, when you're you know above 50% of people who don't even know they have it because they're not necessarily being seen or tested by it for it, um, that's where the challenge gets in. And the challenge is not the actual treatment. There's a lot of treatment options. And are those treatments kind of progressive? You know, you would start with a drop once a day and then progress if those things don't work. So it could be depending on what the scenario is, right? So sometimes, uh, you know, essentially you may be using a drop and it's working fantastic for a number of years, and then you get to a point where that drop is not as effective on your body as it was before. Um, So they may need to switch out drops or add on drops to just make sure that the pressure continues to be maintained at a certain level. Okay, let's go back to the phones. Dave in Toronto, hi. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Good. Well, I have glaucoma, which is low-pressure glaucoma. When you have your pressure taken at the doctor's office, it's normal, but I do have a coma. Okay. So, sorry, was there, I, I didn't I miss the question. Yeah, go ahead. No, do you have a question? <laughs> oh, I just wondered what there is about this uh, low pressure lacoma, if there, you know, if it's worse than the other one or what? Okay, so I think you're, it's normal tension glaucoma, I think is what you're, what you're yeah, referring to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what it is, okay. Yeah. Sorry, so, what, what is it? It's called normal tension glaucoma. So oh, that's when, what it's called. Yeah, so when we're talking about pressure within your eye, think of it as, as you know, essentially a sink. If mine was 18 when I went in, and, you know, 18, that was the pressure. Yeah, so imagine, imagine your, you know, your eyeball is like a sink. There's an amount of fluid coming in, there's an amount of fluid that's being drained out. Uh, if you, of course, turn the faucet too high, then we're going to get overflow. Or if the drainage system is not working as smoothly as it should, you're still going to get overflow. Or 
both of those things can be a problem, and that's been really big issues. Now, that being said, is imagine your your flow of the faucet is on normally, you're still getting the drainage you're looking for, but yet the back of the eye, the optic nerve that we're mentioning, and your visual field, which is your peripheral vision, is still changing, then we look at those numbers as just one part of about a, do- a dozen different tests, right? The pressure, as I mentioned earlier, is, is along with the scanning and the dilation and the visual field, one of about mm, 10 to 12 different tests that we'd like to do to figure out whether you have glaucoma or not. Now, a person like yourself can have pressures within what we would uh, consider quote-unquote normal, but yet still have the changes in the peripheral vision, and that denotes the fact that you have glaucoma. So pressures typically range between 8 and 23, and we can have patients that have a pressure of 6 and yet have glaucoma, and you can have someone that has a pressure of 30 and doesn't have glaucoma. So, yeah. you know, you fall into that, what we call, quote-unquote, normal tension glaucoma. And to answer your question, uh, it's not that it's necessarily worse because the end result uh, potentially is still visual loss. But the ch- it is a bit more of a challenging condition because what we consider to be normal may not be normal for you. And that's why we want to make sure that what's normal for your body might be very different than somebody else's. And we don't want to just use the pressure as a simple number as the dictator as to what the actual um, testing should be. Yes. I'm on drops. Now. Yeah, exactly. And you should be. You should yeah. be. And it seems to be under control. Okay, well, I'm glad to hear that it's under control. Uh, thanks for sharing your story, Dave. Okay, fine. Bye-bye. All right. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. I'll give out the numbers again before we go. If you have questions for Dr. Patel, we're talking about glaucoma, 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And we'll be back after this. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. I am with our trusted contributor, Dr. Ritesh Patel, and we are talking about glaucoma. We have people waiting on the line, so we'll go right there. Pat in Toronto. Hello, Pat. Pat? Hello? Yes? I'm not in Toronto. I'm in Hamilton. Oh, sorry about that. Hi. Um, but I have a question. Sure. Well, I had an eye lift done and had my eyes examined before. And then after again, and he said I had glaucoma. Um, and he put me on the drops. But I couldn't take the drops for whatever reasons. And when I went to see him later, he was so ecstatic at how well I'd done. Okay. Now I'm totally confused because I didn't use drops. He, did you let him know that? No. <laughs> okay. So, you know, sometimes you can have a, a change in pressure. So there's a few things, assuming that uh, this is what we're talking about. That he may have found that, hey, one day your pressure was higher than it should have been. Um, uh, hence, he put you on drops. Typically, uh, every obviously, each practitioner is a little bit different. Uh, we like to redo pressures a few times. Uh, pressure is what we call diurnal, which means it's different in the morning versus the afternoon versus the evening. It's actually highest in the morning. Uh, if you have a big diurnal change, and I tested your eyes at 10 in the morning for a pressure, and I checked it again at, let's say, 10 p.m., there'll be a difference. Uh, so depending on when he tested it or she tested it the first time, there might have been higher than, uh, than expected. And of course, the second time, you know, maybe been different if it's a different part of the day. Uh, you can also have change in pressures for a few uh, reasons in terms of, let's say, blood pressure, although it's a very loose connection, it's there. Uh, but I'd be surprised to say that if you had obviously a, a high pressure one day to a point where they put you on drop and then all of a sudden have a low pressure, especially if you didn't have the glaucoma before, 
Uh, and obviously along the way, somehow you the pressure lowered to a point where you know he's not concerned about it anymore. I guess there's a little bit of a of an asterisk when it comes to all of it. Uh, you, you know, no disrespect to your professional, but you may want to just have that pressure checked again by a third party, just to yeah, kind of be sure there's something else that stands out. Anyone be on the drops the rest of my life? Sorry. What um, I was wondering more about our uh, laser. Because okay. I, I just can't take those drops. <laughs> so if you need to get to a point of having laser, then th- that would be definitely something you would talk about with, obviously, your optometrist, your ophthalmologist. So there are types, uh, uh, reasons why they would actually get to the point of laser. And depending on, you know, who they refer you to or who does it, they'll just create a little hole in, the, in your iris. And, you know, obviously there's risks, risks that go along with that, such as a glare at nighttime, uh, a little bit of discomfort at the time, and ultimately a... Um, you know, you don't want the pressure to be unregulated whatsoever. So, you know, when you talk to your, your optometrist or ophthalmologist about that, they'll go through those risks with you and decide, hey, this is a better option or not. Um, if you're intolerant to drops, that that might be the next uh, option for you to consider for sure. Well, um, what is the top doctor or sound optometrist or what? Yes, you should see an optometrist. Pat, thanks very much for your call. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, David in Etobicoke. Hello, David. Hello, Libby. Hello, Dr. Ratesh. How are you this afternoon? Very good show. Good. Thank, Thank you. you for calling. Uh, Dr. Ratesh, I have glaucoma, and every morning I take one puff of Symbicote. Okay. Is it safe to take the Symbicote? So good question, because there is a connection between, uh, let's say, anti-inflammatory steroids and glaucoma. glaucoma yeah. uh, and so as long as your pressure is being maintained, so just and to be... And that's something, sore you take for asthma, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. So Symbicor is, uh, is, is, again, an inhaler to take it for asthma. So the reality would be as long... It doesn't necessarily affect everybody. So as long as your glaucoma is being managed and they're checking the pressure to make sure that there's no increase in, in that amount uh, or in that number, even though you might be taking the Symbicor more often at certain times of the year versus others, then that's okay. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, but if that, if that number goes up with more Symbicor use, then definitely you want to be, you want to be tracking that. All right. Okay. okay, doctor. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Good question. Yeah, bye-bye. Okay. Ron in Jordan. Hello, Ron. Well, hi. How are you? Oh, not too bad. You have a question? Yes. Uh, I had my cataracts done, oh, a year and a half ago. And uh, <clears throat> well, when I close one eye, I don't get these deflections or halos or whatever you call it. Most, you know when I'm driving at night. Right. And uh, I just wonder, is there any correction for that problem? Yeah, so it depends on why you're actually getting them, right? So a lot of times you can be getting the halos or glare. There's a number of different reasons. Depending on the type of lens you actually have inserted, um, if it's a multifocal lens, then it's a well-known side effect of that actual lens. So it's a product of that lens itself. Um, Now, let's assume that either is or isn't the case and you had regular uh, lenses inserted. If there's a prescription that's left over, so obviously they try and make sure that all your prescription is gone after cataract surgery, but sometimes there's a little bit of something called astigmatism or a little bit of nearsightedness. Either one or both of those things are going to induce you to have glare as well. So, you know, as long as you've talked to your optometrist, let's say they've gone over the numbers, they may actually recommend, depending on how bad it is, uh, a pair of glasses that would actually help cut that down as well. The glasses also, let's assume you have zero prescription uh, in either case, and so both those uh, situations are not you. There's actually lenses you can get that have anti-glare on them. And this is a benefit for those people that have the glare at nighttime, or if it's raining, you can actually have anti-glare with zero prescription on there that can help reduce that. So a few different solutions that I would talk to your, your optometrist or your optician about. 
And it seems to be worse, too, uh, if I'm driving at night, uh, if the windshield is uh, wet. Yeah, the rainy, yeah. that's So what happens is your, your pupil opens up at night. And so when your pupil opens up, of course, when it's dark, there's more extraneous light coming in, and, and that's inducing the perception of glare. Well, I think I'll try a pair of those uh, anti-glare glasses. Then. Good idea. Yeah, that's what I would do, obviously, along with checking the prescription, because a combination of both those things uh, might just simply be doing it. Okay. okay. Well, thank you very much. You're very You're welcome. welcome, Ron. Hey, bye. Bye-bye. Betty in Mississauga. Hi, hello there. Hello. Yes, um, I tuned in a little bit late to their program. I was, I made a, somebody made a call to me that um, that the procedure that I had yesterday was being talked about. So I wanted to call about the it's iridotomy, correct? Yes. Yep. And I um, I had that done <clears throat> yesterday for as a preventative measure for increasing my angle of my eye, and I just wanted to make a comment that it was fine. <laughs> um, it didn't hurt, and it's. I'm doing fine today. And um, just glad so to that hear any, that. Anybody who's thinking of um, doing it, that um, I had my, I, my, I had my concerns because I had read online about some comments, and there was comments about a little bit of pain, a little bit of light, and so on. But um, I'm doing fine. Yeah, that's good to hear. So far, so good. So mm-hmm. yeah, you know, you, even if with a little bit of slight amount of discomfort, it, it does feel like a little bit of a rubber band. You know, mm-hmm. as, as mm-hmm. odd as that sounds for that uh, short little bit, but the reality would be, of course, within just a few minutes, it's gone. Right. Um, the other thing would be is in in Europe, actually, the laser treatment that that your daughter, me, that you had is a first line treatment. Oh. Um, so, you know, we we do those things to a certain point, like as you mentioned, just to simply allow more flu, uh, fluid uh, to be able to get drained out. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas generally in North America, going the route of drops uh, is just a, uh, the first line gold standard of treatment. So there's a little bit of difference between Europe versus Canada or North America, I should say. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it sounds like you did very well. And as long as you get monitored to make sure that pressure doesn't get elevated, perfect. Yes, yes. I wanted to make a second comment. And that was that because I turned in late, I don't know if you may have mentioned it, but I believe that it is um, there's a, a f- familial or genetic um, relation, right? So people with glaucoma should really be checked out. Um, family or, or children of parents who have glaucoma should be checked out. Is that correct? Yeah, you're 100 percent right. So mm-hmm. genetics is one of those things um, that uh, that we d- we touched on briefly earlier. But absolutely, like when you when you have mm-hmm. whether it's your mom, dad, parents, brother, sister, aunts, uncles, great uh, or grandparents for that matter that potentially have an eye condition, you know you can't ignore the genetics because they definitely play a role. And that we now know that uh, once those genetics are there, then it's a matter of of certain situations turning them on or off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the only way to really truly know whether you have glaucoma is just actually coming in, having your eyes tested, checking the pressure, and just kind of make sure that everything is in line. And just because you don't have it one year, unfortunately, doesn't mean you won't get it in the future. So having an annual visit with your optometrist is crucial. Okay. Very Thanks good. for your question. Thank you, Thank you Betty. Um, that's all the time we have for calls. Uh, before we go, I see a question from Charles in Markham. We can't take it, but it said, what tests do I have to take for glaucoma? And you have to see your optometrist, correct? Yes. And they'll, they'll They'll do the pressure test, the visual field test, scanning imaging tests of the back of your eye, uh, along with a few other ones. Those are the key ones to get done. Okay. Dr. Patel, thank you so much, as always, for joining us. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. 
Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.